Hi, I'm Lori. And I'm Kevin, and this is No Longer Ashamed. We are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. And we're here to share with you that if you're a survivor, you don't have to be alone. Our logo is a salamander, and the reason is a fire salamander can survive a fire, and you have survived a fire. We want to help you with your journey to healing and hope. We are all survivors together, and we walk this journey together. And you are not alone. By telling our stories, we are hoping that you will have the courage to share in your stories as well and find your voice. Because stories are so important, and for so long, I know that I wouldn't tell my story. But when I finally shared my story, that's when I got my freedom. And this is our journey and your journey to healing and hope. So come with us. And we are really excited to have Dan back with us and follow up with him and see how his life has been different since he shared his story. Dan, welcome. Thank you. You might have heard a little bit of it when we did our panel. Dan was on the panel and talked about that. But, you know, Dan, one thing you said that just surprised us is you said that things had really changed since you had told your story on our podcast. We were so curious about that. Yeah, it has, it absolutely has. I don't know. So it's so it's such a weird thing, right? Like for me, after doing the podcast, because I've told my story a little bit, never like I did on the podcast because you guys let me just open up and do my story. I've told little bits of my story before. The way you guys asked me during that podcast made me just release a lot of that stuff and made me realize that I don't have to punish myself anymore because of what happened to myself. Can you say more about that? Punishing yourself? (laughs) So as addicts, we are our own worst enemy. So all of the things that ever had happened bad to me when I was a child, I believed were my fault. Well, okay, let me let me rephrase that. I was made to believe they were my fault by the words that were said to me, such as if you weren't being such a bad boy, this wouldn't be happening. You know, it's because you did this or you did that. And everybody around me at that time and that day of age, being a homosexual was wrong. Mm. So I would hear all these other people saying how fornicating with another man is wrong and you're going to go to hell. So I punished myself and I started believing what I was doing was wrong. And with him embedding that in my brain the whole time, basically telling me I was a bad kid and that I wasn't going to amount to nothing unless I did as he said, or, you know, I'd take a beating or whatever. I I made myself believe that everything I did then was wrong. And I I kept that belief, I think, until God, when we did that podcast, to be honest. Really? Yeah. Wow. Do you think just talking about that made you realize that that wasn't really true? So it's kind of funny. Like I I go into places like the Divergent Center, as you guys well know, and I go into other places and I run a clean and sober facility here. And if there's anything I've I've had to learn is watch what I tell people as an advice to other people and to listen to what I say to people. Mm -hmm. Right. So as you guys were asking me all those questions, I was making sure I was listening to myself and I have to make sure that when I say something to someone else or, or whatever I'm saying, I need to believe that. Right. And I think because of the way you guys asked those questions and you let me open up, I didn't feel like I was being looked down upon at the time. I felt like I was being uplifted. Mm. So I was able to really pull those into my brain. And I got off that podcast and I cried and I cried and I cried and I cried. And and I went to my wife, you know, and I was like, wow, that was really hard to do, but I feel better. 
And, you know, and I talked to her about it because she's the one person that knows the whole story besides you guys now. Well, uh -huh. and a lot of other people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, thanks to us. <laughs> right, right. So once I did that and, you know, I talked to my sponsor and he said, you know, one day you might have to forgive him. And so that really started playing in my head over and over. And I was working on my step four at, at the same time, which is a really rough step. Will you tell us what step four is? So I can't tell you word for word what it is. It's been a while since I did it. Um, we have to take a moral inventory of ourselves. Okay. We also have to uh, dig deep, man. It's, it's a step where you really, you got to. You got to forgive yourself and others at the same time. You got to you got to really dig into your emotions. And the one thing that I, I really so I held on to all these animosities and everything else. I was angry at my mom. I believed what my mom because my mom was a heroin addict. So she OD'd when I was very young and I was angry at her because there's no way my mom didn't know. Well, after doing the podcast and talking to Johnny, I just, I was driving down the street one day and I, I swear to God, if there was a light bulb above my head, it would have been bright. I swear. It was like, bing. And, <laughs> and uh, I went, oh my God, my mom was using to bury her own emotions of what was going on with her too. Right. Yeah. Because he was raping her. He was raping my sister. He was raping me, beating on me and beating on my mom. You know, I never beat on my sister, just me and my mom. And, and it really didn't hit me. And then. It was later that night. I, I was like, you know what? I need to figure out how I can forgive myself. Well, I didn't need to forgive myself. I needed to forgive him. Once I forgave him, I was, it was easy to forgive myself because I did nothing wrong. So did you just decide to forgive him or was it something you, you thought you <laughs> need to forgive him and then it was a process? It was definitely a process. It took a little while. Mm -hmm. I had to come to the understanding that I could forgive him, but I didn't have to forget. Hmm. there's a difference in forgetting and forgiving at least to me there is i had to it was so hard man i did a lot of praying i uh yeah. a lot of praying it took a lot a lot of praying and I, I i had to hand it over to my higher power i had to be like you know god i can't carry this no more i just can't carry it no more and the only way i believed that i was going to be able to not carry that anymore was to forgive him hmm. so i told god i said you know what i forgive him and now this burden is yours. And I'll tell you what, it don't burden me no more. Wow. I, I don't let it. There's no reason to. I don't have nightmares anymore. I haven't had a nightmare and I can't even remember the last one, which is amazing for me because yeah. I was having them every night, like screaming nightmares, crying when I wake up, just, it was horrible. And it was not living. I wasn't resting well. I wasn't taking care of myself anymore. I was just basically being a machine, you know, going to work, coming home. And I wasn't me. I, uh, I'm learning to love again because that's something I never really learned. I'm trying to be more uh, patient because <laughs> you don't have patience in addiction at all, right? You just want everything you want to know. So the one thing I became an addiction was the one person I hated the most, and that was my stepdad. I put hands on a woman. I'd never done that before in my life when I was sober, which there's a little more animosity coming in right there because then I felt bad for, it was all my fault at that point. And then I brought me back to the same place I was in my childhood of I'm a bad person. Yeah. When really it was what was taught to me. I didn't know any better. And uh, my wife's forgiven me. I'm still working on forgiving myself for that one. As you guys know, my wife's not doing so well. She's got cancer. So it's been a battle, man. Mm. And that's another reason why I had to forgive her. I just can't hold on to this and 
and try to help my wife. I'm no good to my wife if I can't love myself, right? And that's something I'm learning to do is love myself again. You know, Dan, something that I see in recovery is when people get into recovery. Now, you already had your partner, but they go looking for someone before they've learned to love themselves. And it just, I, I feel like I wish there was some sort of program. I mean, I know they say you shouldn't date or whatever, but I just see, you know, especially I work with women and I see them looking for that love. And, you know, it's like when I hear you say you're learning to love yourself because then you're going to be better for your wife. You're going to be a better caretaker for her. And I love it that you said it wasn't easy and it was a process because I think it'd be easy for someone to say, oh yeah, I forgave. I moved on. But I love it that you showed the struggle. <laughs> no, no, no. It was a struggle. I, it's, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've had to do it yet. It's uh, ooh, it's a hard thing to do to forgive the person that hurt you the most in your life that you once trusted and that you looked up to as a father figure. Cause my dad was, you know, he wasn't always there. I was always with my mom. So this person came into my life and he's who I thought was good dad. Right. Like, so, and then he did all this horrible stuff to me and there's a lot more in there, like biker gangs going on. And there was a lot of stuff that I've seen as a child. I should have never seen. Yeah. And so I'm not that person. That's what I keep telling myself. Right. I'm not him. I'm not him. I'm not him. I'm not him. I had to keep telling myself that over and over and over so that I could realize that I don't have to behave the way he behaved. So you literally had to change your self-talk. Yes, ma'am. I'm still learning to take compliments. My sponsor has been working on that one with me. I'm not good at it. I, I don't, I don't know if any of us are really too good at it that have been through what we've been through um, because we were never complimented, right? Like we were put down to the lowest we could be put down. You know, or I was complimented basically for... at the bottom of his shoe. Yeah, yeah, or complimented for personal gain on their part. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If it was something you were doing that they wanted, yeah, then it was okay. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was always, yeah. And so I even have trouble taking compliments from my wife. And man, it's it's a struggle. I'm I'm still struggling with that part. It's like when somebody says something positive, take it. Don't just say something smart ass and walk away. Like, okay, so here's something big going on in my life right now. My dad, so I think I mentioned my uncle had passed away. My dad came all the way down here. His brother was the one that passed. And uh, me and my dad's relationship's been real rocky because obviously I was out in use and things like that. And he had no reason to trust me, obviously, because I was a dirtbag. And so he came down here and he told me, I need your help. And I'm like, okay, I'll be right there. That's the right thing to do. Jumped up and I was helping him do stuff. And uh, I told him, I, I, we went to my uncle's house and it was just a match. This was the house that my dad grew up in. I grew up in with my grandparents and it was just full of trash. I mean, it's just, it's disgusting. And my dad just lost it. And I'm like, you know what, dad, just let me handle this. I'll handle the mess. Don't worry about the mess. He ended up in the hospital that night from the stress, mm. which scared me. And the next day he, he got back right back out of the hospital. He was okay. He, uh, he had a little bit of AFib going on and he, he got too stressed out. So we went over to the other house because there's two. Um, <laughs> and we were standing outside and my dad looked at me and he said, you know what? I trust you. And I, my mouth said, well, that's weird. And I turned around <laughs> and walked off. <laughs> I didn't know how to react. Not at all. Right. And so mm. I, I just walked off and my son comes up to me because my son Dustin was there and he's like, dad, did you hear what grandpa said? And I'm like, yeah, I just don't even know how to take that right now. Mm. So 
my dad left and I left. We went back. He went to his motel and I came back home and I was sitting here for about 10 minutes. And I'm like, God, I didn't handle that right. I, I should have at least said thank you or, you know, expressed how that made me feel instead of just closing up. So I called my dad and instantly got into tears. And I said, you know, dad, that, you saying that to me means more than anything in the world. I said, mm. I've, I've been begging for that trust back for almost four years now. And so now my dad has handed over all of it to me. He's letting me deal with the money, deal with everything and just calling me every day. Now we have a great relationship. I mean, it's, it, it just was like overnight. Right. And I, and I asked him the other day on the phone, I said, dad, what's the difference now? And a year ago. And he said, my son's back. Wow. So, and so, and I started thinking about that just before we got on here and I was like, you know, all of these changes I did after that podcast last year, going back into Diversion Center and being able to speak about this part of it too, not just the addiction side. I started going in there and speaking about the molestation side of it too, and really reaching people and forgiving him and breaking down those walls that you put up, right? Because yeah. that is one thing I did. I was great at putting up walls over my heart, my emotions, everything. I was really good at blocking it out. And I think that by me making those decisions and changing who the person I am, my dad actually saw the real me again. Wow. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, Kevin, I think, knows the statistic. He's talked to somebody about men in prison, and it's like 90 some percent have been sexually molested. And so for you to be able to share your story and give other people permission is just so incredible and so brave. It's hard. I, well, it was hard. Now I, just spit it all day long. It doesn't even bother. I talk about it with the guys at my work, even it doesn't even bother me anymore. Uh -huh. Like I I've talked to, you know, just normies that, and they're just like amazed by what I've been through and that I'm still here. Like, uh -huh. and I tell them on every day, like, don't make the choices I made. Cause I work with some younger guys who are drinking a little bit and I, I try to persuade them from doing that, obviously, because uh -huh. they tend to not come to work and then I have to get mad and it's just no fun. But I don't know, man. I just, I feel like, I don't even, it's such a different feeling. I can't even explain the feeling I feel now. Like not being burdened and being held down by something that happened to me 30 years ago. That you had no control over. That yeah. I had no control over. Yeah. I don't have to be ashamed. I don't have to feel guilty. I don't have to feel responsible. Mm. And it's not who I am. That's the biggest key right there. That is not who I am. I love it that you called your dad, that you didn't yes. let that opportunity pass by because this is what, you know, I see with women is, you know, with the compliments. And I always just say, say, thank you. Say, right. thank you. You know, and so they want to go. Yeah. They want to make excuses. And so I love it that you called your dad back and you, you know, made that connection because it's acknowledging and, and, you know, being on the receiving end, if you give somebody a compliment like that and they shut you down, it's hard and it makes you not want to do that anymore. And so I love it that you, you know, you kind of cleared that path and made it good again. Yeah. Because in addiction, I would have never done that. Mm -hmm. I would have just been like, whatever and walked off. And I, that would have been my real response at that time. Right. And that's why when I thought about it, I thought, God, that seemed like who I used to be. Yeah. And I'm not that person no more. And, you know, and like you were saying with relationships, Lori, I, I suggest to all my guys here, look, don't get in a relationship for at least a year. You, you got to work on yourself because if you don't better yourself, you're not going to be better for anyone else. Yeah. And that's, that's so hard. And, and learning to love yourself after you've been out there on the streets that long, man, it's, that's probably the hardest thing I've had to do is mm -hmm. to learn to even like myself. 
because that's hard because man i'm telling you i was not a very likable person out there i didn't even like me so (laughs) when you say um i'm working on that what does that mean for you like what is working on it mean does it mean like going to meetings or reading something or what what does that entail for me it's uh affirmations every morning i got to tell myself i'm gonna have a great day i am a good person i'm a great dad i'm a good husband being able to look in the mirror and look at myself and be proud of who i am today those are very important things that i do first thing in the morning i thank god every morning that i get another breath of air and that i'm not stuck out on the streets making bad decisions. So, and then when it comes to learning to love, really, that's a hard one for us that have been through what we've been through. I would hardly ever kiss my wife. She could tell you if she was here that I, I, she was lucky to get kissed once a week. Now, every morning when I wake up, I wake her up. I give her a kiss, tell her I'm going to work, have a great day, tell her I love her. And when I get home, I try to remember to do the same thing. Sometimes when I get home, I'm not in the mood to be all lovey-dovey, but I do it anyways, because I have. Before I fall asleep, I never go to sleep angry with her. We always tell each other we Amen. love each other. Amen. I mean, there's there's little things that I'm learning to do that I never did before. Hug, my daughter is a hug freak. Uh. Drives me crazy. Sometimes too <laughs> huggy, too touchy, right? Like, and I get it. It's because I'm dad. But there's times where she's just like, ah, and I'm like, whoa, slow down. You just hugged me two seconds ago. You know, and I got my granddaughter here right now who's all huggy too, which is okay. So I'm learning to be affectionate. It's not something I saw. So it's daily practices. And then the things you see, you need to work on, even if you're not feeling it necessarily, you do. I want to say like, I hate to say the right thing, but you do the right thing until it becomes more natural. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's important because yeah, my wife being happy is the most important thing to me in the world, especially now. It's a little rough guys. Mm -hmm. We thought things were going to get better and they're not. So I'm we got sorry. a couple of years at the most, if we're lucky. So I'm trying to give her the best life I can. She needs to feel loved and she needs to be able to go away from here and go to heaven and just know that we're going to be okay. Right. So, and, and that's why I'm being so embraced towards my children now too, is I can't, I mean, losing my wife is one thing, but one of my children, I wouldn't know what to do. Right. And my daddy, you know, this, that's funny that we're talking about this because my dad said something to me on the phone yesterday and he said, you know, son, I'm so proud of you. He says, you've, you've come so far. He says, you're almost at your four-year mark. He said, who would have thunk, right? I said, yeah. I said, you know, I've been through a lot of stuff, but I'm doing it, right? And he said, you know, the one real test you're about to have is losing Amy. Mm. And uh, yeah, it made me think about that because my sponsor once asked me, he said, what's the one thing that would make you relapse? And I said, well, I couldn't think of nothing at that moment. He said, yeah, what about losing one of your children? Mm. I said, oh. Oh, you mean like one thing that's that, you know, bad thing that can make me do it. And uh, the funny thing is, the first thing I said was losing my wife. Mm -hmm. So that was another thing I had to work on recently and uh, still working on it. I have to uh, make a living amends to my wife. I told her that when she passes, I will stay clean for her. That's my one way of guaranteeing myself that I won't do that because I'm all about keeping my word. I'm a man of my word. And I made a living amends with my dad. I told him the same thing. I said, you know, I, I'm just not going to use. It's going to be my way of, you know, making amends to you guys is I'm just not going to use it, whether you're here or not. I said, and there's no way I'm going to I'm going to tell a lie on somebody's grave. That's wrong. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's that's where I'm at, man. Like it's life still struggles. Yeah, that's big stuff. I can't even imagine. But, you know, I, and I think what's hard is 
you know, we all know, especially as we get older, we're going to lose people. But to actually know that for you That's to say after four years, I can't mm. imagine what that must be like. Yeah. And, and, you know, in the beginning of this, we were, you're never ready. No. <laughs> never ready. I don't care what anybody says. Oh, you had time to get ready. That's bullshit. There is no time. The doctors told us we had six months when this first started. And uh, I freaked out. I'm not going to, I mean, I was pretty freaked out. I was losing my stuff. They were, they were pretty much saying there wasn't even a treatment that she could do. It was so bad. And they finally, they got Providence hospital has miracle workers when it comes to cancer. Mm. They got 20 different doctors together and they all sat down and made a plan for her. Mm. And uh, they found out that there was a certain chemo that might work. And it, it did. They did on spot radiation. And then she went into immunotherapy, which would have lasted a year normally. Mm. And the immunotherapy tells your body that cancer is a bad cell to attack it. So mm. your immune system will kill cancer that way. Well, it can also tell your body that your good cells are bad cells. So what happened was it started to attack her good cells, caused her to have this muscle disease that uh, she's on high doses of steroids all the time now. But the problem is, is at any point in time, her heart, since it's a muscle, can constrict mm. and not work. No. Oh, man. Was that a trial, what they call a trial uh, med? So the immunotherapy, um, they don't give it to everybody. Uh, it, it has to do with a certain gene that's in your bloodstream and only certain people have it. Most people run around about eight to 10 to 20%. 20% they say is a good average to be able to do immunotherapy. She was at 40. Whoa. So they were like all over it. They're like, oh yeah, we got to do this. We got to do this. And honestly, it was working. It was shrinking it like crazy. She only got to do five treatments out of the 12. So... That's where they pretty much told us that if nothing else, we at least bought her a year to two years. Mm. So depending on how aggressively it starts growing back. Wow. You know, when I, when I look at what you're talking about, and then I see the freedom that you found in telling your story and also in forgiveness, because, you know, we hear a lot of people that say, if I forgive them, I'm giving them a pass. And then, you know, they have to live in pain because when we don't forgive, we're the ones that are suffering. And I think you bought some time for Amy, but you bought some time for you. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'd be able to go through what I'm going through with my wife holding on to all that. Yeah, I really don't. And honestly, I didn't forgive him for him. I forgave him for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. It wasn't about him. That was about me being able to move on with my life. And yeah. Because holding on to things in your life like that, as hard as it is, it, it makes you sick. It makes you very sick. Holding on to secrets and shame and guilt and anger and hatred, all that's doing is it's breaking you down. It ain't hurting them. No. It's hurting yourself, right? So I didn't forgive him for him. I forgave him for me. I needed to be healthy again. And I I feel like I am healthier than I've been in a very long time. What do you want people to know most of all? Life's not over. Uh, Your past does not have to define you. Move on. I know it's hard. It's scary. It sucks. You got to find a way to deal with everything that's happening to you, all the trauma. Don't hold it inside. You hold it inside. It makes you sick. You're not hurting them by holding it in. You're hurting yourself. Learn to forgive. You don't have to forget, but you have to forgive sooner or later. Yourself and the other person. Yeah, you know, and, and and I don't know. Not everybody had to deal with their situation the way I did, mm. and some of their their people that hurt them are in prison or whatever. They're being punished. Let them be punished, mm-hmm. right? They're having to live with their guilt and shame, and that's mm-hmm. way worse than having to you know just forgive somebody. It's so easy. 
It's, well, it's not easy, but no, <laughs> simple. I mean, once you've done it, you feel the difference and it just gets better and better. And I had to forgive him several times myself. You know what I mean? It wasn't just, oh, I forgive you. Well, then something else would pop up. Oh, I got to forgive you for that too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and I'm sure there might be something else that comes along along the way in my life where I go, oh, that son of a bitch. And I have to do it again. <laughs> you know, I, we're only human. We're not perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I also feel there's something that I'm just hearing so loud and clear is you've made this big choice to be present, even mm-hmm. though, you know, as the addict part of you, you know, that part, the addicts want to escape, but you are walking through a very difficult time. And every day you're making the choice to be present for the people in your life. And I, that's just so incredible. So, you know, <laughs> my wife, she's amazing. This woman from day one finding out that she's had cancer has not once really made it a bad thing. She's made it a good thing. Like, you know, this is what God wants or This is part of my testimony. This is going to save other lives. She's turned this thing into this beautiful thing. It's for me, it's been a little bit different. I'm not going to lie. So <laughs> being present is a, it, that's a no brainer. I have to be. It's like I said at a meeting recently or on one of my other casts that I do with Johnny that, uh, you know, I may always seem all right on the outside, but inside sometimes I'm crying. You know, I have my daughter here, my son here, my granddaughter here a lot. And sometimes I got to put on that mask, even though inside I'm hurting. I try to uh, accept this as God's plan, but sometimes I don't like God's plan. Yeah. I don't have to always Mm-mm. because I don't understand it. You know, um, this is the one thing I haven't been able to fix. I can pretty much fix anything else that's going on. I help people save their lives, own lives every day. There's nothing I can do to help her save her own. This one's up to God. And I kind of like being in control. I ain't even going to (laughs) lie. So this is out of my control. And I I don't like that. So, you know, as I've learned that the more I talk about it and openly talk about my feelings, even with my clients here, and I'm present in their life every day. Trust me, I have no choice. (laughs) Um, it helps her and it helps me. If you just hold in all this stuff, all this guilt, the shame, the hurt, the sadness, that'll put me back out on the streets. And I, I have no use for that no more. I want to keep people off the streets, not, not be out there. You know, I don't know, man. I, I like I said, a lot has changed, right? I've, yeah. I'm becoming this different guy and I'm liking this guy I'm becoming. I love that. Yeah. Now, if I can just get past this whole like to love, we'll be good. But I, I don't think it's going to, It's I don't think it's something that happens overnight, especially for us who have held on to all this guilt and shame for so long. I don't think it is something we can just do overnight. Yeah. Well, when you think about a dog that's been abused that you adopt, they mm-hmm. don't, they're always leery. So the fact yeah. that, you know, you're a human, but you've made these choices. And um, I think what's really important for people to know is that you're not just winging it. You're daily committed to affirmations, to looking in the mirror, to being present, to loving those around you. And like you, you said, and I know you're kidding, but you go, I don't have a choice, but actually you do. I do have a choice. You could be (laughs) under the bridge right right now, but you're choosing not to. And I feel like the people that are watching you walk through this, they know that it's God's strength. You know, they know that, that he's giving you the strength, but also you are getting strong because you are brave enough to wake up every day and to keep doing those, those small daily habits that make the big, big difference. Right. And I don't have to put a needle in my arm to make these feelings go away anymore. Yeah. That's, that's that's huge. That's the huge part. And 
I think it's those little steps that we take and just keep doing them. And finally, after a while, we see the change in us because of those steps. We see the changes, you know, the way we treat other people, the way we treat ourselves. And then we realize we don't have to believe those voices that we heard all those years. We don't, right. they were wrong. You know, it takes a while to convince ourselves that they really were wrong and right. really can love ourselves. Yeah, I hated myself for a very long time. Yeah, so the, and, and that and when I think back about it, it's just sad. I didn't have to. No, and, but I didn't know any different. No, Nobody taught me any different, and I was afraid to talk to anybody about it. So how could they tell me any different, right? Think about the lives that you're changing just by being able to share that. Yeah, right. I mean, how many addicts are using because of that hurt from childhood yeah. abuse? Yeah, I'd say about seventy percent. Uh-huh. probably right around there. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, we all had some sort of trauma, most of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like you said, now you've got to feel those feelings, which are some pretty tough feelings, what they you're suck. going through, but you're not <laughs> running from them. Yeah. You right. know, you're feeling them and then you're figuring out what to do with them. And I just, boy, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for letting us be part of this. And we just feel so blessed. I'm sure, you know, I pray for Amy all the time. Yes, thank you. And you, and, you know, maybe we can do another follow-up in another six months or so, but I just, I just feel like I love the freedom I'm seeing in you. And, you know, I didn't (laughs) know you that well before, and I never felt like you were like not free, but I do see that difference now. And I'm so happy for that, for that. Me too. (laughs) Absolutely. And I appreciate you guys. Uh, If I wouldn't have had that opportunity, I don't know where I would be right now. I'd probably still be angry and bitter. And I don't want to be that guy. I don't. No. I mean, it's not fair to my family. No. And or me. It's right. just that we don't realize how we're affecting everyone with our own pain. We think it's our pain. We're carrying it and we're carrying it alone and no one else is helping us or affected by it. But we don't realize we don't let anyone else help and we are affecting everyone else with our pain. And so Absolutely. when we face our pain and deal with it and You know, to be so brave to forgive is so hard, but it does make such a difference. And then we learn, I think for me, also, I had to learn to forgive myself as as well. And I don't know if I could forgive myself without forgiving the perpetrator as well. There's no way. Yeah. I couldn't see myself doing it without being able to forgive him first because... Yeah, I, it just had to happen that way. I don't know why. It just did. For me, it yeah. did. It just, I had to forgive him before I could forgive myself completely. I mean, there was parts of it I forgave myself for, like mm-hmm. the situation of how I got rid of him and all that stuff. I, I did forgive myself for that because, well, I justified it. Yeah. So I don't know if I really yeah. forgave myself for that part in the beginning or if I just justified it. I think in a way, Dan, we don't learn what forgiveness is until we forgive the other, the perpetrator. And then we realize, well, I never did really forgive myself because I never knew what forgiveness was. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good point. I think you're probably right. And so up until then, I think it's more like what you were saying. I justified what I yeah. did. I justified these things. I But I still held this thing that they were, you know, I couldn't forgive myself because right. they were wrong. The guilt or shame or whatever it, yeah. that was still holding me back. Oh, yeah. And I'm, 
that was my excuse for everything was oh woe is me i i i was such a bad person now i might as well just stay a bad person mm -hmm. i might as well go out and rob people and do drugs because i'm because, already a piece of shit yeah, yeah that's what i know i'm already doomed um yeah know. and i and i really wasn't you know and, and i did get in school and it's like my dad said he said i don't remember where things changed mm. and i said well i do unfortunately <laughs> yeah because my dad didn't know my dad didn't know about any of this until your oh, podcast really oh my gosh i lied to how him about he, it how did he handle it he wasn't happy <laughs> he was pretty pissed he did he when we finally talked about it a little bit when he was out here he apologized to me and i said dad you don't need to apologize to me you're not mm. who did it he said i should have known i should have protected you i said dad didn't let you know because i didn't want you to protect me i said that wasn't your place you know i felt like it was my mom's job to protect me at that point because my dad was overseas there was nothing mm. my dad could do yeah. and you know and it, me and his relationship at that time wasn't really good anyway so it was more of a i had to go see him every other month or two when he was in you know because he was in he was in the service so i never saw him mm -hmm. but he blames him he blamed himself right away and i was like no that isn't your guilt to hold on to or your shame. That's his. You, you don't need to carry that. Let him carry it. Wow. You know, and, and and my dad was like, wow, that's different than what I was hearing in your podcast. I said, that's because. <laughs> and then I explained it to him. <laughs> and he was like, you did what? And I'm like, I forgave him. And he's like, I don't know how you could do that. He's like, I don't know, but I could forgive somebody if they did that to me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, man. Yeah. I said, maybe if you were gone through it and had to live your whole life with it, you would feel different about it. I said, but you didn't have to know about it. You know, la last week we talked about blame and yeah. I can't help but think that you, you turned the blame, you know, you turned it around and you forgave. So there was no room for blame mm -hmm. because when we blame then we can't let go either. Right. And so in, in addiction, I've learned something. We all play the victim, Right. And that's what we do when we're when we're out there on the streets and we're getting high. We play the victim. Oh, it's because of this. Oh, it's because of that. When honestly, we made a choice to get high. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a choice with what happened to me as a kid, but I did have the choice to open my mouth and say something a few times and I didn't do it. I believe that you somebody asked me last time on the last panel if it was PTSD or PTS. I. I. Injury. 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 Yeah. And it's like I said, then it's like a mental injury. Mm -hmm. So I do believe we can recover from it. I do believe it can be healed, but I don't think that it's going to be by a doctor. I think it's going to only be by one person. That's yourself and God. Mm -hmm. Because if I didn't, if I didn't give this over to my higher power, I couldn't have done this by myself. Mm -hmm. I've tried counseling in the past. It did no good. I've tried other things, obviously drugs and mm -hmm. buried it, but you can only bury shit so long. Yeah. Sooner or later, it's going to come up and, and it's, it's going to, it's going to be worse. So like that whole forgiving him and, and, and just leaving it at the altar with God. I think that's, that's what healed me y'all. I mean, I, it's yeah, all that did. I know that's, that's where it was for me. And I also felt like without God, there was no way that I could forgive it just right. because I don't think most of us humans are capable of that forgiveness. And that's no. why. Like your dad was saying, how were you able to do this? I don't think most people get it because we're just not built to, you know, it's such a hard thing. And right. 
we also have to forgive ourselves. And that's where this whole blame thing is so hard on us because not only we do we blame the perpetrator, but we blame ourselves for getting us. I blamed myself more than I blamed him. Yeah. And then we blame ourselves for what we do after we're abused yep. because we're we're coping. And so there's all this blame. And it's not until we get to forgiveness that that blame goes away. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and just playing the blame game just makes more guilt and more shame within yourself either way. Yeah. So, and that's where forgiveness had to come in for me, man. I just, I couldn't live like that no more. I couldn't, I, I didn't like having to feel like I need to still look for this guy over my shoulder who's been dead for never. Mm-hmm. I still would look over my shoulder for him. Yeah. I feel like you're the epitome of this podcast. No longer ashamed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it kind of I mean, happened, you guys. I Maybe that's why it was meant to be. Yeah. I just hope for everyone, you know, that's what we pray for. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dan, for being so vulnerable and honest with us. And, you know, we just want to pray for you and Amy before we go. And, you know, it's like this, it's hard because you want to fix and we know you that we can't, (laughs) but we can pray. And like you said, you know, sometimes it's like, well, all I can do is pray. And sometimes it's everything I can do is pray. Yeah. Yeah. All day, all day. Some days it's like that. Yeah. Some days I'm asking a man, just get me through this day. One more day with her. One more day with her. Mm-hmm. And it was that way the other day. She woke up and she wasn't doing so hot. And it scares you. I mean, I mean just little things like her catching a cold can be deadly. Mm-hmm. And she's got a cold right now. So it's like, it's, it's scary for me. And it's scary for her. Like, yeah. and, and her emotions are all over the place. She's going through menopause. She's got cancer. She's taking steroids. So she's like all over and it's, and you women are a little different than us guys when it comes to emotions. <laughs> Let's be real. Y'all run on them. And, and we, we, we like to think things, right? <laughs> so she just instantly starts crying and I'm like, Oh my God, what's wrong. She's like, Oh, you, you don't want to know. And I'm like, well, I'm asking, I don't want to know me. I'm not sure, but yeah, I do. I want to know. <laughs> and then she tells me, and I'm just kind of looking at her dumbfounded. Like, really? That's it. Like, <laughs> And I'm not trying to be a dick. I just didn't, I didn't understand. <laughs> Kevin's it's just... a little too hard. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Kevin. <laughs> no, no, I, I get it. <laughs> it is rough, man, because I'm still learning emotions. I'm yeah. still learning my own emotions, let alone my wife's emotions. So it's like sometimes she just, it's, it's, it's hard. That's another part of the, the whole learning to love and being nurturing and those things I'm working on is like trying to understand why she's crying at certain times. And me, what is it? What is it? Charnel's counselor says emotions are information. Yeah. Emotions mm-hmm. are information. And I like that. It's, it's hard, but it's so important because you're not really truly living your full life. If you're not allowing yourself to have all your emotions and That's if true. you're limiting some of your emotions, like if you don't ever let yourself do, you know, anger or cry, you know, sadness, you're basically right. bottling them all up because you're like putting this grip on everything. Mm-hmm. And until we can really allow ourselves to feel even the emotions we're afraid of, we're not really being ourselves, our true selves. And, but it's hard work, but it's so worth it, Dad. It's it is. Worth it. It's very well worth it. I think, and I think that's key of why I'm almost to four years clean. Yeah. And congratulations on that. Yes. That's Thank huge. You. 
It is huge. I'm, I never thought I was going to see a year. I didn't think I was going to see a month. I, I remember being on the streets telling myself, huh, I'll never quit. I'll die with a needle in my arm. I remember telling everybody that. So, you know, and, and just hating myself so much. It's, I can't even, I don't even know how I could do that. I don't even know why I hated myself that much half the time. And so for me to be able to sit here and say, I'm working on loving myself for me, that's huge. I mean, that's a miracle one in itself to me, mm -hmm. you know, being able to look in the mirror and smile without being ashamed. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool, man. That's a good feeling in the morning. Like to get up and be able to just look in the mirror and be like, you're going to have a good day. You're all right. Okay. It. You know, it's a good feeling. It's, it's mm -hmm. yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us. And Kevin, do you want to wind yeah. us out in prayer? So that's it for today. We are going to have a prayer time if you want to stick with us. If not, we believe in you. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your stories. If you like this podcast, please rate and review because that's how other people can find us. And we really want to spread this message. Father, I'm just so thankful for all your blessings and for the hope that you have given us that we never, never thought we deserved. And, uh, you have you have shown us that you do love us and if we turn to you you will give us your hope and give us a reason to live and we're just so thankful that you have given amy more time that yes. dan and emmy have time together to be together and to be a couple while there's still time and that you're giving them hope that there is still life together with them. And Lord, I just pray that you would bless them with your presence and especially bless Amy with your presence right now and your comfort that you would be with her and that she would know that she's not going to be alone, that she will be with you and that Dan will also get to be with you and that your presence would be with him. And Lord, I just pray that you would continue to bless what the work that Dan is doing, the amazing work that you have given him a purpose to help others. And because he has been through what he has gone through, that they know that there is hope because they can see how his life has changed and so that he can help them change their lives. And Lord, I'm just so thankful that your hope in him is giving others hope and bringing them off the streets, Lord. I just pray that you would help him to continue to save those, those men that need hope, that need a reason to live, that need a, a reason to find love for themselves, that they can, you know, that they do matter, that they don't have to be ashamed. Lord, I'm just thankful that we can uh, share this message with others that need it. In your name I pray. Father, I just am so grateful for Dan and Amy. And Lord, I feel so inspired to hear Dan say that, you know, he surrendered everything to his higher power and Father, that he forgave. And sometimes, sometimes we can forgive big things and then we don't forgive the little things. So thank you for that inspiration of how important forgiveness is, Lord. And, and thank you for, you know, the looking in the mirror and saying, you know, learning to love himself. Father, this is such an amazing thing. And I think so many people struggle with it. And sometimes they almost think we think it's like holy to 
to hate ourselves. And mm-hmm. thank you that he's teaching us that it's so important to love the creation that you made. And, and I just pray for your blessing on this family, that you will just um, bring good things their way, Lord, and, and um, joy and peace as they walk this journey. And I, I thank you for Dan's commitment that he's, he's made bold statements um, to keep himself clean and sober, Lord. And I pray that for your blessing in that and that you will just honor him and help him to know that you are with him and that you love him and that you are paving the way, even though sometimes it feels like a cement wall in your son's holy name. Amen. 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 Thank you guys. You're amazing. Thank you.